pay transparency is here or coming, depending on where you're located and where you're hiring people. It's kind of like a snowball rolling down a hill, getting bigger and bigger. It's something to really stop and think about and prepare for now because it's not easy depending on where you're at currently. I think the biggest thing around transparency is thinking about what your education plan is for your people. Don't conduct your analysis in isolation because data is so incredibly powerful. Not defending just the tribe, but defending the organization. Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking. Good experience pays dividends down the line. Stereotypes tend to break down in proximity. Welcome to We're Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey everyone, it is Ben Eubanks, and this is going to be the last episode of the year we're publishing. So I hope you're wrapping up, winding down to take a breather in the next few weeks and rest, recuperate, recover for what's ahead. I am so thrilled because the team and I are working on some new research for the coming year. This is always like my kid in a candy store sort of moment where I get to go and get a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and really try to understand some of the big challenges and problems that leaders like you are facing day to day and how we can use the research and the data to solve those problems and help you figure out what to do next. It's such a thrill working on things like learning development, skill growth and career mobility, talent acquisition, recruiting, how skills and skills-based hiring and skills-based organizations are taking a bigger role in the coming year, as well as things like frontline workers as well. Just so much insight coming your way. It's going to be a blast. So we have some great interviews already slated for the next few months as well on the podcast here. If you've noticed, we take a little bit of seasonal sort of feel to it during spring and fall travel season for me, where I'm on the road a lot, speaking at conferences, at events, things like that. And so, but we usually start with the year with a bang, and we have a plan to do that. Today's interview with Megan Nail is a full conversation, just filled with ideas for total rewards, compensation. I'm going to be presenting with Megan on the HR cruise in February. So if you're not familiar with this, the HR Cruise, you can find out more at hrcruise.com. HR Cruise is an event where it is what it sounds like. It's an HR conference that happens on a cruise ship. So you get all the joy and fun and amenities and all that good stuff from the cruise ship, but you also get this amazing HR conference happening alongside it. And unlike some conferences where you show up in a room, you're sitting around a bunch of strangers, and then you leave and you're completely disconnected in your own little bubble, on the cruise, the, the entire conference team, the entire conference uh, attendee, group eats together every evening. So we, you're coming back together, sharing what you've learned, you're building these relationships, and it's just a really great experience. If you're in a place that's cold and windy in February and you're like, goodness, get me somewhere where there's sun and sand and that, that good stuff, or you just want to explore the cruise, whatever it is, check out hrcruise.com. And Megan will be there presenting. You'll hear her from her in a little bit, some of her ideas and things. I'll be there presenting on my latest book, Talent Scarcity. And really, it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, 15 HRCI uh, credits, research credits. So at the quarter for your entire research cycle. So if you're short on credits and you're trying to figure out a way to do that in a fun way, there you go. I'm thrilled because I've never been to the Dominican Republic. My first time to do that. So beaches and all that good stuff is definitely good. It gets not as cold here in Alabama, but it's cold enough to make me get out there. All right. And then last but not least, obviously I'll be there on the cruise. I'm there all week. So it's a chance to chat with me in person if you want to. My wife says that may discourage more people than it encourages, but hey, I'm going to take a risk. There. All kidding aside, it's a great event experience, hrcruise.com. 
Mike knows how to put on a fantastic event. I, I really respect him and his work. And he's partnering with Illinois Sherm, uh, Michigan Sherm, as well as HR Indiana to put this together. So there we go. Uh, you don't have to be from those places to participate, but those are the organizations helping to partner and make this happen. All that said, let's get on the show. Hey, everyone. It is Ben Eubanks, and this is going to be the last episode of the year we're publishing. So I hope you're wrapping up, winding down to take a breather in the next few weeks and rest, recuperate, recover for what's ahead. I am so thrilled because the team and I are working on some new research for the coming year. This is always like my kid in a candy store sort of moment where I get to go and get a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and really try to understand some of the big challenges and problems that leaders like you are facing day to day and how we can use the research and the data to solve those problems and help you figure out what to do next. It's such a thrill working on things like learning development, skill growth and career mobility, talent acquisition, recruiting, how skills and skills-based hiring and skills-based organizations are taking a bigger role in the coming year, as well as things like frontline workers as well. Just so much insight coming your way. It's going to be a blast. So we have some great interviews already slated for the next few months as well on the podcast here. If you've noticed, we take a little bit of seasonal sort of feel to it during spring and fall travel season for me, where I'm on the road a lot, speaking at conferences, at events, things like that. And so well, we usually start with a year with a bang, and we have a plan to do that. Today's interview with Megan Nail is a full conversation, just filled with ideas for total rewards, compensation. I'm going to be presenting with Megan on the HR Cruise in February. So if you're not familiar with this, the HR Cruise, you can find out more at hrcruise.com. HR Cruise is an event where it is what it sounds like. It's an HR conference that happens on a cruise ship. So you get all the joy and fun and amenities and all that good stuff from the cruise ship, but you also get this amazing HR conference happening alongside it. And unlike some conferences where you show up in a room, you're sitting around a bunch of strangers, and then you leave and you're completely disconnected in your own little bubble, on the cruise, the, the entire conference team, the entire conference uh, attendee group eats together every evening. So we, you're coming back together, sharing what you've learned, you're building these relationships, and it's just a really great experience. If you're in a place that's cold and windy in February and you're like, goodness, get me somewhere where there's sun and sand and that, that good stuff, or you just want to explore the cruise, whatever it is, check out hrcruise.com. And Megan will be there presenting. You'll hear her from her in a little bit, some of her ideas and things. I'll be there presenting on my latest book, Talent Scarcity, and really, it's going to be a ton of fun. Uh, 15 HRCI uh, credits, research credits, so at the quarter for your entire research cycle. So if you're short on credits and you're trying to figure out a way to do that in a fun way, there you go. I'm thrilled because I've never been to the Dominican Republic. My first time to do that, so beaches and all that good stuff is definitely good. It gets not as cold here in Alabama, but it's cold enough to make me get out there. All right. And then last but not least, obviously, I'll be there on the cruise. I'm there all week. So it's a chance to chat with me in person if you want to. My wife says that may discourage more people than it encourages, but hey, I'm going to take a risk. All kidding aside, it's a great event experience, hrcruise.com. Mike knows how to put on a fantastic event. I, I really respect him and his work. And he's partnering with Illinois Sherm, uh, Michigan Sherm, as well as HR Indiana to put this together. But you don't have to be from those places to participate. Those are the organizations helping to partner and make this happen. All that said, let's get on the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to We're Only Human. I am so glad you're here with us. Looking forward to a fun conversation today with Megan Nail. Megan's a speaker. She's a professional. She knows her stuff on Total Rewards and Comp. I can't wait to get into that conversation today. 
Megan, welcome. Glad to have you. Thanks. I'm so excited to be here. Absolutely. So before we get into some of that fun stuff about what's happening in the space, what you're excited about, things that you're kind of watching from a trans perspective, would you take a second and let the audience know a little more about who you are and what you do, please? Yeah, sure. I'll start professionally and I'll share a few personal things because that's always a little more fun. So I am a longtime HR person, probably a little longer than I'd like to admit. I've always been in human resources, so really focused on the people side of things. But then within that, I've kind of found this passion for total rewards and compensation. So really thinking about when I like to think about the employment experience, we're giving a big part of ourselves to our jobs every day and to our employers. So thinking about that other side of the equation of what can employers do for all of us as their employees that adds value and really incents us to give our best and bring our best to work every day. So that's what I've been doing professionally. I'm currently um, a consultant in the total rewards and compensation space. I've been doing that for a little over four years. Prior to that, I did very similar work internally within companies. And then personally, just a little bit personally, I'm based in Indiana, but love to travel everywhere. I've got a wonderful husband and two boys, 16 and 13. So that keeps me busy outside of work. I noticed you said wonderful husband and then boys. So we won't, uh, we won't count anything against you there. Okay. No counts. And you heard it's teenagers, right? <laughs> Just to be clear. Hey, I have twin 13 year old girls. And so I, I know exactly what you mean. Plus two more that are following them. So oh, there's, there's no shortage of, of fun stuff. I, I'm with you. Let me ask you a question really quickly. So you made the transition from internal practitioner to consultant about four years ago. Was that what you expected it to be? Were there any surprises? Tell me a little bit about that transition. It's a great question. The reason why I sought out that transition was really, especially doing compensation and total rewards, when you're internal within a company, you're seeing one program and you're working on one program. And I'm not the type of person that moves jobs a lot. So there were a lot of opportunities to change things, to set things up. But after five, seven years somewhere, it can get a little routine in terms of just maintaining things once you've optimized them in a certain way. So I really had this desire to learn and to see different types of structures and just different types of organizations. Now I get to work with some nonprofits. I work with government, with higher education, with for-profit. So that variety, I think, was what I expected and what I had hoped for. There's always some surprises along the way just in thinking about how organizations prioritize different things and then what their mission and values are and how they try to weave them into their packages and how they really try to personalize them. So that's been a little surprising. And then of course, when you're in consulting, there's always the project management piece where you can have a lot of projects at once, you can have fewer, and how are you kind of managing all of those things at different points in time? Okay. Do you like, you mentioned like optimizing, do you like building? Is that what draws you in? I do. And so that some of my favorite clients are in the situation where maybe they're a newer company, a growing company, or they've just never paid attention to this area and they're setting up something for the first time. And I think I like that challenge of trying to explain, explaining the why, trying to really educate everyone as to what we're doing, why we're doing it and why it's important. I think it's a fun challenge to set something up for the first time. Well, I don't think it's too far to stretch and assume that someone in our audience right now is like, they got that spreadsheet and it's yeah. just a place to stuff information, but it's not really doing anything for them. Yeah. What's a tip or piece of advice you'd give someone like that? Who's at the very beginning of their journey, just trying to say, how do we even start making sense of all this? Yeah. 
I think, think about the end in mind. So what are you trying to achieve? And I know for a lot of organizations right now, especially in the compensation area in specific, things are becoming more and more transparent, partially by regulation, partially by just information, how easily we can share and find information now that people, whether they're candidates or employees, are expecting more transparency around knowing what is the pay range for this job? And I want to know that before I even apply, because I don't want to waste my time or waste your time on that. So think about, is that what your driver is? Are you trying to get to a point where you're going to be more transparent? Or maybe it's something different. Maybe it's giving your senior leadership team some guidance to make decisions. So think about what that is and try to work backwards from the end point of where you want to be to where you're at right now. I think that's a great a great picture to paint there because it's every company listening and every leader listening right now, some of them probably have some things that are up and humming and like, Meg will love to take a look at that and get an, get an idea of what you're doing because it's creative and, and exciting. Others are at that very beginning stage, just very early on, or just trying to get some rudimentary things in place. And to realize that all of us want to pay, pay people fairly. We all do the right thing, support our people, just like you started out, like what, why you do this overall. I think that appeals to all of us on some level because we're in this line of work. But at the same time, like everyone may have a little bit different destination or like we're never going to be the world leader in comp. We're not going to be at the, you know, very top percentile, but we can do X, Y, Z instead and serve our people well and make sure we're caring for them and do the right thing. So, okay. All right. Excellent. All right. So when it comes to like, that's a, that's kind of like through, through that you just off the cuff really quickly, but let's take it like a step further for people who are listening into this, we have this wide range. Some people do have comp responsibilities as the, the sole thing they do, but others are just HR leaders and they wear lots of hats and comp is one of them. And I know from my own experiences, unless it's like something compliance related or something else, like comp just kind of slides down the list of things you got to get to. And so when it comes to that, I was like, I can't quite find time for this whatever else. So I'd love to hear from you if I'm an HR leader and I'm in that, in that bucket, what are some things that we can be thinking about or doing in order to create positive outcomes when it comes to total rewards as a whole? It's not just like, okay, we're going to pay a lot of money, but what other things should we be considering as far as incentives, all that other kind of good stuff in there? We can pack that, package that together to really appeal to the right candidates, keep our best employees, try to hit all those things. Yeah, great question. I think it's first, it always starts with understanding what your people need and what they value most. So when we think about that whole pie of total rewards, and when I say your people, it's not only your current employees, but it's your candidates, especially if you maybe have a changing workforce where you're trying to recruit a different type of person or maybe a different generation than what you have before, making sure you understand both sides. What do they value most? Um, for example, it may be a really rich benefits plan or a great retirement benefit, and it may be that individuals value that more than having a really high compensation package or getting a bonus or something like that. So I think it's doing that thoughtful assessment of that first, and then seeing how close you can align to that and what that mix looks like to get close to that and then communicate it. Like you said, there's a lot of different priorities. I think on the total rewards side of the house, I mean, benefits, if that's something where a benefits plan is offered, if you're large enough or if you're able to do that, that's on a real regular cadence, right? You have to go through a renewal once a year. You've got this typical process, open enrollment and so forth, where those things kind of roll on every year just by the nature of insurance. 
I like to think about comp in that same way, maybe on a different timeline, but what can you do annually or regularly to keep on top of it and to keep abreast of what's happening? Knowing, keeping a pulse on your market, even looking at things like your exit interview data or your declined offer feedback, where are you getting pressure from? And then what does that annual program look like? Maybe your business strategy or your organization strategy has had a significant change. Maybe you have a new strategic plan and you need to update your bonus programs because they're not in alignment with what your new direction is. So I really encourage that at least annual look at that comp similar to what we do on benefits. So you're seeing that whole picture. I was going to ask you, like, are you talking about like surveys? Should we be looking at that kind of stuff? But you said not just that, but X interviews, when someone declines an offer, like lots of different sources are out there. And most of us have those things sitting in separate piles that they never yes. ever think about them all holistically. So I'm glad you brought that piece in because if, if someone's listening in, like we, we're not paying enough. I'm, I'm a hiring manager. Just keep telling me that they're saying no to these offers or our recruiters yeah. are getting frustrated because no one, well, maybe there's a couple things. Number one, maybe they're telling us and they're leaving. We knew that already. We just weren't looking at it. Or maybe when we look at these actual things in aggregate, we find out that we're, we're offering 20% less than everybody else in our space. And that's going to require us to get some additional investment, additional buy-in from our leadership in order to make that change. I can't just stroke a pen and adjust that without some sort of support. So really thinking through those, those things, clearly, I, I like that. I like that more holistic approach, not just do a survey, see what they say. Good luck. Exactly. I think just a good story from a manufacturer I was working with, probably relatable to many people in the audience, entry-level pay rates have increased so quickly over the past couple of years. It's mind-blowing just how much those rates have gone up. So not surprisingly, they were wanting to look at their entry-level rates, entry-level production manufacturing rates, and what those were. And we actually found that they were paying pretty competitively. That wasn't truly what the issue is. As they dug more in with their people and their candidates and looking at their turnover, it was really some more pieces around, okay, they worked in a really sterile environment and they had to dress in a certain way when they came into the building and they had certain procedures that need to be followed. And that wasn't appealing to all of their candidates. It wasn't the pay. It was some of those other pieces. So they instituted some realistic job previews, more in-depth tours and explanations, looked at their talent acquisition process. And that's what ended up making the difference. Even though their first hypothesis was maybe pay, that ended up not being what the issue was. There's a, I've got a great book somewhere on my shelf over here that is called The Hidden Reasons Employees Leave. And one of the big takeaways that I've cited for years in there that he, he lists is managers think 70% of the reason is 70% of the reason why people leave is because of pay. And when you actually look at the actual data, the number of reasons people leave and the quantity of those, like 70% of the reasons are for things other than pay and yes. it's all these other factors. And they want to go there because it's an instant like, oh, just fix that, move that up and we're good to go. And that's not the case. I love your example there. That's a great one. I was thinking of one of our one of our partners we worked with this year, Advanced RPO. They're working with this retail organization and they found out that, by the way, if we're not offering training for our people, it's costing us an additional 10 to 20% in order to get someone to say yes to this offer because we don't train you at all. And so like either we put money in training or we put money here, but do you think we're saving money by not paying for this training stuff? And it's costing us something because we're going to have to pay them more ultimately. So it's, it's going to come out somewhere. And I love that sort of detective work of uncovering those things that probably you said a minute ago, you get excited about building and uncovering and really learning alongside these companies you're working with and teaching them about this. That same thing is why I love the research because I, 
I love to understand the truth. Even if it's, I find out that I've been wrong all these years, that's okay. I just want to know the truth so I can then go, go forth and do that right. One of the things you talked about earlier was transparency as a, as a trend. It's something that you see. Mm-hmm. What recommendations would you offer on that? Again, knowing that there's not a single recommendation that's going to work for everybody. Any thoughts or ideas that someone could, could kind of keep in the back of your mind, knowing that uh, start there, and then I'll, I'll challenge you a little bit on it when a little bit on, on that. Sounds good. So you've got to start with those senior leaders and then working with your leaders and managers to make sure they truly understand. It's not just understanding this is the range for a job. It's what's our philosophy. Why is that the range? Why are we making these decisions um, the way that we are? And then how do we place people within a pay range, right? Because it's not only this is the range for the job, but, you know, Ben, if we were in the same job and you were higher because you had this performance or these experiences, what is our general philosophy around that? And I think in compensation, in total rewards, it is so easy for managers or leaders to take a very hands-off approach and say, kind of blame it on HR or finance, whoever owns that within the organization. Like, nope, that's what they told us. I would love to give you more money, but HR said I can't. We, we've got to break that down, especially in a transparent way to where we're partners in that. We are singing from the same songbook, so to speak, on what we're doing and why. And then we need to explain it to our employees. But you have to equip those managers first because your employees are going to go to their managers with questions. So making sure that is all there and people understand why. I often get pushback on this of saying, I don't really want to spend the time on educating employees because they're never going to be happy. Everyone always thinks they should be making more. Everyone always thinks their benefits are overpriced or too expensive or whatnot. I think I'm a believer and maybe I'm just an optimist. If people understand and they really understand the why, if they feel like it's fair and they can understand what it was, I think they will be much more on board than just an opaque system where you don't understand. So why why am I not paid more? So that's my initial really thoughts are communication and education. Once you have a foundation, you have to know what your numbers are. You have to figure out all the analytics, but beyond that, you enable it through education and communication. I'm so encouraged to hear that from you because there was a time a couple of years ago, it's that that sort of response where it's more holistic is much more common now. But a couple of years ago, it was, well, we just tell everybody that we're going to do pay transparency and let's wave our magic wand and it's all good. We just decide that as an, as a leadership team and it's yeah. just going to work itself out at some point. And managers are like, Hey, wait a minute. Someone's asking me questions. I can't answer this. What's, what am I supposed to do here? And so exactly. taking it all the way down that level of practically, someone's going to have to explain this to someone else in an interview, right? As a recruiter, as a hiring manager, as a, as an employee, like, please don't leave. We are paying you. Like, here's how your pay is set. Like, I understand. And here's how it's going to, how you can level up to the next role. Like having that ability to do that. One of the things that struck me is in our research this year, candidates told us that they were about two times more likely to be talking to a hiring manager about pay than a recruiter. And because of that, like recruiters are, they're kind of in the HR bubble. Like, oh, they're probably good. They can have that conversation there. They're capable enough. But think about Everybody listening to this, think about all the hiring managers you have. Think about which ones probably can handle that question without any problems at all. 
And there's probably on the other end, they're like, oh my goodness, I don't know what they'd say, but I'm kind of worried about what they what would come out of their mouth at that point. And that's on us, by the way, that's not on them. They can't know those things without us teaching, telling, educating, as you were saying, Megan, um, really sharing those things out there. So I'm so glad that you touched on those key parts. There's one more thing I want to ask about. Oh, so there are still those companies that are a little bit of a, a holdout, like the leadership's like, ah, this pay transparency thing, it's going to eventually fade away with just get back to work, be glad you got a paycheck. Yeah. If I'm working for one of those companies, what evidence or advice would you give me to take to my leadership to get them on board with this? Great question. I think a couple of things, the easy, but I think probably the less effective would just be a compliance standpoint. So here's the laws, maybe you're impacted by them. So it's certainly a piece of the puzzle. Um, I think looking at your competitors. So looking at your competitors, looking what they're sharing out there on their job postings, how they're presenting that information, how they're selling their packages, their total rewards package. I think it's been interesting to see, you know, Colorado was the first to come out with a major pay transparency law. It was kind of the first time that we saw some of this mandated. It was very rudimentary at first, right? Here's the range. Here's, you know, a very objective view of our benefits, Companies have gotten really good because it's competitive about kind of highlighting what those key areas of total rewards are and how they really use that as their competitive advantage. So I would put those together. And then also I would put in some anecdotes of what your employees are saying and asking for, because I feel like we're almost in a position of playing whack-a-mole, if you remember that game of someone's asked me this, they want an explanation on this, this candidate's asking me this. So you're giving out likely piecemeal information to people as a result of what they're asking. And it's not really holistic and you really could be losing people if they're not getting that bigger picture and they're just afraid of that to ask. So there was one other, there's one other thing that popped in my head as you're sharing that I saw a piece of research recently that said, when it comes to advertising your jobs, promoting them, getting people to click on them, all that, like you pay when people click through, it costs less money to advertise a job with paid information listed on it than it does to promote one that doesn't have that out there because people are naturally drawn to, Ooh, I want to know more about that. And we've seen that in some of our own research, like experimentation with candidates. They'll click on the ad that has pay information on it. Even yeah. if it's maybe less than what they were expecting, it still has that. And the other one is just a black hole, a blank of information. And we assume the worst when we don't know something about that. So. It's, it's so true. And it's interesting when we think about pay transparency. Okay, it is a little radical in private industry companies. You know, the, it's new. I guess it's something new for us to deal with. But when we can look to our friends in government, you know, in higher education and some of these different institutions that they are fully transparent. People can look up what other people make individually. They can look up their W-2 ranges on a website. So I think we can also look to some of those other industries that have, you know, been forced to be transparent all along and what they've been doing as best practices to kind of guide us as well. Goodness. All right. So this, this has been so much fun. And by the way, if anyone, if you've enjoyed this as much as I have, Megan and I will both be presenting on the upcoming HR conference cruise. I'm going to make sure and I'll go back and throw a shout out in at the intro for this episode, but Mike Maduro, the team uh, putting together this cruise, hrcruise.com. You can find out more about it. We'll be on the cruise in February and sharing about this. It's time to be on a cruise, by the way, right, Ben? Yes. Well, if you're in Indiana, probably so. Probably, it'll be cold in Alabama then too. So I'll be glad to get away to something more sunny, more sandy, all those good things. But you're talking about these kinds of things on the cruise, right? Compensation trends, what's changing, what's new, much more in depth, 
a lot of data, a lot of insight. And so this kind of stuff is going to be covered there. I'll be speaking on some other things, not comp related, but still interesting, relevant, fun for the, the average leader. And the speakers list for the, for the cruise is like an all-star set of speakers. So it's one of those where I love it because as a speaker, I can't wait to go and watch the others, hear the others share. And I don't do that at every conference. And this is one of those. So hrcruise.com, I'll make sure the link is in the show notes. I'll also make sure, Megan, that your LinkedIn link is in the show notes as well so they can reach out, connect with you. Make sure you let Megan know you heard about, heard her sharing here on We're On Human. Goodness, thank you again for joining me. This has been a ton of fun and I'm so excited to meet you in person in a few short months. Thanks, Ben. Well, look, I look forward to seeing you on the high seas and some nice warm weather in February. And we hope many of your audience will be able to join us as well. Absolutely. To everybody else out there, have a good one. Get your comp stuff in order. Get your house in order. There's a lot of changes coming. And now's the time to take advantage of the shifting stuff out there to make some positive change internally. And we'll catch you again next time on We're Only Human. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm honored to have you as a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please take 10 seconds to rate it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives, visit OnlyHumanShow.com.